0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We're glad to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on the radio or to our Bible Truth podcast. Before I bring the message, I would like to tell you about something exciting we have coming up next Sunday night that I really hope you take advantage of coming and participating in. We are going to gather on the uh, east side of the Jefferson County Courthouse next Sunday evening, November the 6th at 6 p.m., We're doing this as a pre-election prayer rally, not a political rally, but as an opportunity to uh, ask that God's will be done in the midterm elections. That will be uh, coming up next Tuesday, as well as for uh, unity to prevail in our nation. And so myself and Pastor Rodney Malott, uh, Pastor Ron Lash and Pastor uh, Kent Jackson are going to read a scripture and uh, lead the group in prayers. It will not uh, be a long gathering, probably from 6 to 6.30, but we encourage you to come out. We have a free prayer booklet for everyone who uh, attends, and uh, so I hope you can do that. That's next Sunday night, November the 6th at 6 p.m. That is time change weekend, so it will be dark. There is light on that side of the courthouse, and uh, again, we hope you can make it for the pre-election prayer rally at the Jefferson County Courthouse next Sunday evening, November the 6th at 6 p.m. Today's message is titled, Critical Concerns of Christian Citizens. I've been bringing some messages on God and government as this is on our mind right now. Every time you have an election, uh, politics is naturally on our minds. But there are some things that we need to be concerned about uh, in the area of God and government. I'm going to begin reading from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. The Bible says only let your conversation, and that word means your lifestyle or your citizenship, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Well, here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian Christians, and he's reminding them that they are citizens of two worlds. They were citizens of the Roman world, we might think of that as the human world, and of the heavenly world. Now, these two worlds were in conflict with one another, just as the Christian's flesh and spirit are in conflict, so are the heavenly and human worlds. Now, the heavenly citizenship that we have is to take priority over human citizenship. However, it would not eliminate human citizenship, but should rather enhance it and affect it. In other words, the heavenly citizenship that we attain when we accept Christ as our Savior is to enhance the citizenship that we have here on earth. And as he is telling them, he is telling us that this heavenly citizenship should make us better human citizens. In fact, we should be better spouses, better parents, better neighbors, better workers, uh, better friends, uh, all of these things, because we have a dual citizenship. However, it's not going to be easy. In fact, he tells them that their influence on the culture will at times leave them marginalized, mocked, and even uh, persecuted for Christ's sake. He continues in verse 28 and says and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition in other words they are unbelievers when they re- respond that way that's just a that's an evidence of that but to you as believers of salvation and that of god for unto you it is given in the behalf of christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me. And so he's telling them, just as you see me suffer for Christ's sake, you're going to do the same thing. But in spite of all of that, his challenge is to stand fast for the sake of the gospel. Going back to verse 27. He says that you stand fast in one spirit, be unified, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That challenge to first century Christians still applies to 21st century Christians today. Now, as we think of our own culture today, I think there are some critical concerns that we have as Christian citizens. I want to give uh, two of those to you today. The first critical concern of Christian citizens today, I believe, is the sanctity of life. That word sanctity means the state or quality of being holy or sacred. Listen to what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, as we have the account of creation. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. This is called the imago Dei. It means the image of God or the image of deity. It does not mean we are little gods, but it means we are created in God's image. David puts it like this in Psalm uh, Psalm 8, verses 4 through 6. He says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things Under his feet. This means that every human being has a divine design. Every human being is sacred. Every life is sacred in the eyes and the mind of God. Now, the abortion issue is front and center this election. We know that because of the Supreme Court overturning the Roe v. Wade decision from 1973. But when you take away the emotions, the excuses, the opinions, and just as Christian Christian citizens ask, what does God say? We need to go to the word of God to see what God says. And the Bible tells us that God abhors the shedding of innocent blood. Now, unfortunately, ancient Israel got caught up in the actions of the pagan nations surrounding it, and they actually began to sacrifice their own children and shed innocent blood. And listen to the result. The Bible says in Psalm 106, beginning with verse 36, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. "'Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters "'unto devils or demons, and shed innocent blood, "'even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, "'whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, "'and the land was polluted with blood.' Thus were they defiled uh, with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. God hated it. You see, they were sacrificing their children to idols. Now you say in America, we don't do that. We don't take our, Our uh, little boys and girls and sacrifice them to idols. No, we do something worse. We murder them in the womb when they have no defense. Over 60 million babies have been murdered in the womb uh, since Roe v. Wade was allowed in 1973, nearly 50 years ago. And uh, that is the shedding of innocent blood, any way that you uh, look at it. It's not pro-choice, it's pro-death. And it's uh, killing an innocent little baby. Now, did you know that God hates that? You say, well, God doesn't hate. God is, is love. Yes, he is love. But there are some things that God hates. One of them is the shedding of innocent blood. Listen to Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate. So there are at least six things he hates. Seven are an abomination. So that He there are actually seven things. But I'm just going to read three. A proud look. So God hates pride. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. God hates that. A life in the womb is innocent blood, and God takes the uh, views the taking of life in the womb as a personal insult because we are made in the image of God. I believe that civil government has a responsibility to protect life, not destroy life. Now, someone says, well, you know, uh, it's my body, and so I have a right over that. Well, you can say it's my body, but that life of the infant has a body of its own as well. Did you know that the baby within the womb carries an entirely different genetic code than its mother? And so when you say it's my body, well, so is the body of the little baby. Or you say it's my right. It's my right to do that, and I don't like to have my rights uh, infringed upon. Well, what about the baby's rights? You see, when the life of the unborn is unprotected, all life becomes cheapened. This is why we are seeing crime rates increase. We see abuse increasing, drug and alcohol use going up, poverty goes up. It just falls in line when life is cheapened in the womb. It affects, it affects a society and a culture it has throughout human history, and we are no different in America. God abhors the shedding of innocent blood, but God acknowledges the unborn life. Now, The Bible teaches that all life begins at conception inside the womb, and it continues until death. Between conception and death, life and death, there should be dignity, safety, and protection at every stage, every age, and every status in life. Uh, Yesterday, we had the the pleasure, the honor, and the opportunity to have a fun day. We call it uh, Superheroes a special needs Saturday. And we had a lot of guests yesterday. And there are people who would say that some of those uh, should have been aborted because of their different physical handicaps and those sorts of things. I want you to know something. Those folks are precious in the eyes of God. Those are precious lives. You say, well, they don't produce anything and they can't work and they're a burden on the, on the, the economy and on the medical sector. Listen, uh, that, that makes no difference. God says that every life is precious. We have a little baby girl of our own. And she has a lot of physical needs, but little Isabella's life is just as precious as her dad's life is. And I'm telling you all life is precious to God beginning in the womb. Now there are no fewer than six Bible characters whom God acknowledges in the womb. Let me share these with you. First of all, you have David in Psalm 139 and verse 13. David says, "For thou hast possessed my reins. The reins there is referring to the the inside of the body. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. That's within the womb, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's a metaphor for the womb. Thine eye, speaking to God, did." See my substance yet being unperfect. You know, you, you look at one of those sonograms and it's hard to make out exactly little pieces, but God knows. In fact, he knows so much. Listen to this. David continues and says, and in thy book, all my members were written. God has a record of everything about us. Jesus even said the very hairs of our head are numbered. God has that in a book. Oh, how special we are to God. He says, you, which in continuance were fashioned as I continued to in the, for those nine months in the womb begin to grow when as yet there were none of them. So David is referred to in the womb and then the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. And this is a reference to Christ in Psalm 22, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast, and I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. I like that. And here's another one, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Jeremiah is another prophet. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, I set you apart for a purpose, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So don't tell me that life is not a life until it comes out of the womb. Here, Jeremiah, God is speaking and says, I I knew you even before that and had a purpose for you. Then you have the example in the New Testament of John the Baptist in Luke chapter one and verse 41. This is after Mary has come to tell Elizabeth about Gabriel telling her, She's going to give birth to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke 1, 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Sounds like life to me. That's John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The sixth one is the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1 And verse 15, Paul writes, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Here you have no fewer than six Bible characters referred to in the womb of the mother. And God acknowledges the unborn life. I beloved, I believe that the sanctity of life is a critical concern of Christian citizens today. And then the second one is the structure of the family. Now, the nuclear family, and that that term was coined back in the 1950s, if you remember that time, that's a little before uh, my time, but uh, there was threat of nuclear war. People used to actually do drills in school where kids would hide under a desk, and I've always wondered how that would really help you much, but nevertheless, that term was coined then, the nuclear family, and it referred to a father and a mother and children, but that nuclear family is a target today. Our so-called progressive society, and I believe it's regressive, not progressive, but It calls itself progressive. It wants to replace and redefine the family with same sex marriage, gender confusion, and the nanny state becoming the provider and protector from the cradle to the grave. Government education wants to introduce sex education to younger and younger grades, even into preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. What is that all about? You know, that would have been unheard of 50 years ago. Why is that now? Well, it's to undermine parental roles and responsibilities and rebel against God's order of sex, gender, marriage, and family. What happens when a family becomes uh, under peril in a society? Well, it it messes the whole society up. Now, I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 3 and uh, listen to what happened in Israel. Now, this uh, is a a long time ago, and yet we saw this in Israel, and I think we're seeing this today. Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says, as for my people, children are their oppressors. Well, here's what began to happen. First of all, the children begin taking the leadership role in the family. And when the children are the ones in charge, and it's not parents, look out. Because from there, it just it just dominoes. It's a domino effect from the home into the school system and then into the justice system and on and on we go. Children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Here you had the roles of mothers and of wives being abandoned where they no longer were fulfilling their responsibilities. That's what happened in that society. So that began to get confused. And then here's what happens. The Bible says in verse 25, the men shall fall by the sword and the mighty in the war. The husbands and dads become passive and weak, and the culture then will crumble and collapse. Years ago, you had television shows like Uh, father knows best and uh, remember leave it to beaver with ward cleaver you know dad had all the answers how do dads get pictured today on television and the movies well fathers uh, end up looking like buffoons and just goofballs and they don't have it all together and that's how hollywood has tried to portray that and so no wonder we have this confusion the roles have all been confused when the family is in peril the culture and the society becomes to be in peril and then i want to share with you what the Bible says the purpose of the family is. Every family has a purpose, whether that family involves two people or 10 people makes no difference. God has a purpose for every family. I believe until we prioritize the family and public policy, we're going to continue to live in a culture of chaos with rising crime rates and confusion, homelessness, uh, substance abuse, poverty. It all just stems from the family. As the family goes, so goes the church, so goes the community, so goes the nation. Well, you say, what is the purpose of the family? Well, Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, I believe tell us, number one, The family is to reflect the image of God. Again, uh, Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see, the family is to reflect God. They should see God. When people look at our families, they should see God. How how is that done? Well, the family should demonstrate things like love and peace and unity and even order. There is a biblical order to the family. All right, when that gets messed up, the family does not reflect the image of God. And God wants us to reflect his image. Number two, the family is to rule for God. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 continues. He says, and let them, referring to man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The family is where we learn uh, how to have authority, uh, not only in the workplace, but even in our own lives. We learn different things. For example, uh, I learned uh, some things whenever I was uh, younger. When I was at home, I learned about discipline. That involves also self-discipline. There are some things I knew that I was not allowed to do, uh, and I learned how to self-discipline myself. Some of that even involved just getting out of bed and getting ready uh, for the day. You learn teamwork. You learn that in the family structure. That's not the school's responsibility. That's not the government's responsibility. You learn that at home. Uh, I remember having three brothers at home, and, you know, we, we had to we had to have teamwork. Everybody had something they were to do, had roles and responsibilities and, and chores and those sorts of things. You learn how to function within relationships in the family. You learn how to deal with things like anger and, and uh, how to share things. You learn work ethic. That is taught in the family. Mom and dad have a responsibility to teach their children how to work and how to be honest and how to uh, do all of these things. That is not the government's responsibility responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility. All of that begins at home. And the family is to rule for God here on the earth. And then number three, the family is to replicate God's image. God tells Adam and Eve, the Bible says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That means they then have offspring that becomes also a replication, not only of yourselves, but of God. You know, it's funny, the, the older that I get, and I've noticed this as I've I've gotten into my 50s, I look more like my dad all the time. I remember as a child, I would look at my dad's hands and think, boy, his hands look old. And now I look at mine's and they look just like my dad's. I look in the mirror and I see my dad in the mirror. Even some of my mannerisms are that way. Can't escape it. Uh, you, you know, you, you just become like that. But listen, children are not just uh, so that parents have lookalikes. God wants us to be lookalikes of him. Our children should be lookalikes, not only of us, but of God. And so we are to replicate that. Again, that begins in the home. Not even the church can do that. You know, you have your children in church, maybe an hour out of the week. If you go on Sunday night and Wednesday night, a little bit more, but uh, that's that's the only place that they're going to see it on a consistent basis is in the home. Now, listen, Government has a responsibility, number one, to protect life. We've talked about that today. That's the sanctity of life. Life is to be protected. I believe that begins in the womb at conception. And then government also has a responsibility to promote the family, not to destroy the family, not to replace the family, but to promote family. And both of these are concerns of God, and they should be concerns of ours as Christian citizens. Now, next week, Lord willing, I'm going to share two more uh, critical concerns of Christian citizens, and uh, I hope you tune in then and uh, see what God has to say about some of these topics that are uh, in the news today. Well, with the time that I have left, I want to mention again about our pre-election prayer rally at the Jefferson County Courthouse next Sunday evening, November the 6th. It'll be at 6 p.m. It'll probably finish up around 6.30 p.m., but myself, Pastor Ron Lash from Corinthian Baptist Church, Family Life Pastor Kent Jackson and WWJD Pastor Rodney Malott. We will all read a short scripture and lead the group in prayer as we are seeking God's will. This is not a political rally. I would prefer you not even bring any signs or slogans or anything like that. This is, this is prayer time. We want God to bless the election. We want God's will to be done in our nation. We want whomever our leaders are whom are elected to seek God's wisdom. And uh, we want our nation to remain unified. Right now, there's a lot of division uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Media plays a part in that and and uh, other things. But we want our nation to stay unified. And uh, so this is what this is about. So that'll be uh, next Sunday night, November the 6th at 6 p.m. on the east side of the Jefferson County Courthouse. And then if you don't have a home church and you appreciate the word of God being plainly preached and taught, uh, without reservation, thus saith the Lord, this is how we, how we preach and teach. Uh, we encourage you to visit us. First of all, at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, we begin every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages. We have a bus that would be happy to pick you up and bring you to church and take you back home. We even have a handicap bus for those in wheelchairs and walkers. And, uh, then the Sunday morning worship service begins at 6 p.m. And or, or 10 a.m. rather, and I'll be preaching in that service. And then Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. as well. And uh, so we invite you to those services. Wednesday night is at 6 p.m. We'll be wrapping up our Wednesday night service this Wednesday night. We usually take a break through the winter months, and we'll pick back up in the springtime. But you can uh, follow us online at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple dot com. We are also on Facebook. All of our uh, live services are live streamed on our Facebook page, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, and of course then Waltonville Community Church. We begin every Sunday morning at eleven fifteen a.m. and I also preach then uh, and we invite you to come. We're, we're at 321 South Hiram Street across from the Waltonville Cafe and you can find us online at waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. And then uh, don't forget about the Bible Truth Podcast. All of our radio messages right now are are put on that podcast. You can listen to them at your own convenience, whether you go to Apple iTunes, and there are a number of platforms to get podcasts from. But if you'll just search Bible Truth Podcast, and this is a really growing ministry, a lot of folks are are beginning to get these, uh, and then you can download it and listen at your convenience. Also, many of my dad's teachings, uh, some of you know my dad, Dr. Ron Reynolds. He's been preaching for uh, a long time, over 50 years, and he's doing a lot of Bible study verse by verse. His are on the podcast as well, so you can check that out and listen at your convenience. And then I also want to thank all of those who financially support the radio ministry, and the podcast ministry. All of it is just by free will offerings of God's people. And uh, we ask that if you consider that, don't take that out of the tithes and offerings to your own church. Uh, if you have a church, that's where your, your tithes and offerings need to go. But anything extra, maybe you're looking to support a ministry or a missionary or someone local, uh, consider the Bible Truth for Living program. We appreciate it. Helps us to pay for the radio airtime as well as our podcast platform to get those out. And you can write to us at Bible truth for living 817 woodland drive mount vernon illinois 62864 include your best gift if you want to include a prayer request a bible question whatever you're free to do that as well and the the announcer will repeat that again here at the end of the program but thank you so much for listening it's always a joy to be with you and i look forward to being with you again next sunday until then this is pastor tim reynolds saying may god bless you is my prayer